injuries to your body. You might, you know, a scar might be left, or there might be something, um, if you break a bone, there might be remnants of that fracture. But are you healing? And I think that that's what people should be looking for in terms of what we're talking here today. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the ERS Walk and Talk podcast. In this episode, you're going to hear part two of my conversation with Dr. Michael Genovese on the topic of trauma and the brain. We talked about the various types of treatment modalities in this episode that are being used to help people heal from trauma. And Dr. Genovese also talks about the symptoms of post-traumatic stress and one of his favorite resilience tools. I want to remind everyone that through the ERS Health Select of Texas plans, we have a huge network of mental health providers and support. And Health Select of Texas participants can also access mental health visits through Doctor on Demand and MD Live virtually at no cost. I will have the links where you can learn more about these details with all of the specifics in our show notes. All right, here we go. So we've talked about some of the sort of preventive things that we can do to help us just manage stress and manage traumatic things that we might go through. What are you seeing in the research are some of the most effective modalities for folks with uh, post-traumatic stress injuries? To your point, there's no one right way to eat. There's no one right way, you know, to, to um, prepare for that, for uh, these sorts of things. There's no one right treat. There's no one right way in the hospital to treat people. That's why we have lots of different modalities. There are certain types of therapies. Like many people have heard about EMDR is a trauma-based therapy. There are medications that are helpful to some people. There are things like neuromodulation that are helpful. That means using, you know, the brain's an electromagnetic organ. Mm -hmm. We have things now that we can do that modulate your brain using that electromagnetic power, something called transcranial magnetic stimulation works for that. Group therapy is helpful. Individual therapy is helpful. Cognitive behavioral therapy is helpful. Dialectical behavioral therapy is helpful. It all depends on that's which you're receptive, uh, that which you find helpful. There's no one right way. There's no wrong way either. There are lots of treatments. Now, some of these things like if I go into EMDR, I can get pretty technical pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can talk about it in more depth if you want. Or Yeah, I was actually going to ask a follow-up question because I think a lot of people don't know about EMDR specifically. EMDR, um, it stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocess. The basic idea of it is while you're going through therapy, having your eyes move back and forth is sort of taking over part of your brain and allowing another part of your brain to benefit from therapy because it's almost like you're distracting yourself. It's in a way um, allowing yourself a little more room to benefit from the therapy Hmm. and thereby to reprocess through some of the events that you've been through. Um, become desensitized to them because the more sensitive you are to these past traumas, the more vulnerable you are to the symptoms of post-traumatic stress. And and some of those symptoms, we haven't really talked about that, you know, 
Right. If someone's been through a horrible event, like say a, a say a car crash, just as an example, mm-hmm. well, then they could be triggered uh, for long periods of time after that by either seeing a car crash in real life or on television or in a movie or the memory of a car crash or someone bringing up the uh, the uh, the idea of a car crash or get to the point of just seeing their child get in a car, right? And they can have uh, the avoidance behavior. So I don't want to get in a car, I'll, I'll walk kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, nightmares, recurrent nightmares about the experience that happened that either they were involved with or that they witnessed. People have, um, because you're at this constant heightened state, they call it an increased startled response, right? So, you know, it can be the sound of a door slamming and their mind reminds them of the sound of the car crash and they jump when the door slams while everybody else is fine, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So uh, being desensitized to these triggers and then reprocessing them through EMDR is sort of the gold standard of treatment right now for um, for trauma. But that said, it's not for everyone. Some patients try it and they say either they're not ready for it or they just don't like it. Um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got about 10 trillion other things that we can do for people. So um, I think that one of the good things is that lots of people have heard about EMDR and they think EMDR trauma, oh, there's treatment for it. That's great. The other great thing is if it's not the right treatment for you, at least it alerted you to the fact that there are treatments and you'll find whatever else it is. There's something else called somatic experiencing where the therapist doesn't so much talk to you and work through things and try to change your thinking about them. They they focus more on the way you feel and where you feel it and what you're feeling in your body as you Mm -hmm. talk about things. So there's, I mean, there's a whole menu of ways of helping people who have been through any types of trauma from the, you know, the general life stressors that people will perceive as trauma to the major traumas that we talk about like on the battlefield. Wow. Well, it does give you hope just to know that there are so many ways to heal. I guess the the key here is just making sure that people know where to go and that there is help available when you're ready to get treatment for the trauma. And I I feel so lucky to work for the agency that I work for because we oversee the health plan and uh, we do have such amazing mental health uh, benefits and and resources for folks to get that type of support. So um, definitely we'll share all of that. Uh, in the I, show notes. I want to point out too, though, that you know what, Lacey, I love the the I love the fact that you use the word heal as opposed to cure. Mm. Um, I think in all of medicine, there's a long time that we've talked about cure because people wanted it to there to be a beginning and an end mm-hmm. in all sorts of things. So, you know, are you cured of your strep throat? Are you cured of your heart disease? Are you cured of your diabetes? And when you think about it, most things that people suffer with are not, don't have a beginning and an end, right? Um, If you have diabetes, it's chronic disease. You talk about healing and getting better and getting your glucose down and getting your hemoglobin A1C down. and, and, And the same thing goes for heart disease. Are you healing? Are you getting better? And even with things like, 
um, injuries to your body. You might, you know, a scar might be left, or there might be something, um, if you break a bone, there might be, you know, remnants of that, of that uh, fracture. But are you healing? And I think that that's what people should be looking for in terms of what we're talking here today, right? Yes. Don't think about, I'm going to get to an end point and everything's going to be nirvana. It's a healing journey. It's a process. It's not an event. Um, right. That that event is not going away. It happened. Uh, whatever it is. Yeah. We're not going to exactly right. completely forget. It's just how, how we manage that. Um, that's exactly right. I, ha- I had an opportunity to talk to a police officer. He's a retired chief um, several months ago who had been through a very traumatic situation. His partner died right in front of him, was shot, and he was in a small department, had to work the scene. I mean, if you can only imagine, um, yeah. there were only six people in the department. So just awful. And he talked about the physical symptoms after that. He, when he would put on his uniform for many weeks, he would throw up because his body was telling him to not go back to work. I mean, that's, it's so interesting talking and thinking about just the effects of, of trauma. And 20 years later, he went to EMDR and sought uh, treatment. And it was, there were many traumas, but that was the first one he had to process. And I asked him, you know, was it hard for you to walk in that room? And he said, absolutely. I was so nervous just because, because it's knowing that you're going to face that trauma again, because you've been kind of suppressing it and putting it back. I just find it so fascinating. But hearing his story, I thought it was so inspiring because we just, you know, and the more people are willing to share those stories, I think the more folks are going to be willing to get the help they need. So um, good stuff happening out there. <laughs> that is good. And that's such a powerful story to think about that 20 years of going through that. And then imagine 20 years of fear building up and how hard it would be to walk through that door for the first time. Ugh. But I would imagine talking to him after that, it was a little easier the second time and yes. not much more the third. And that was his road to healing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I didn't know talking to him because he was telling me about the process of EMDR that they processed those traumas one after the other in the same session. And I don't know that a lot of people know that. I, I thought you process one and then maybe you go back and process another one, but it was just in pretty rapid succession. Um, and I, I guess that's the, the way it's done. Could you kind of, I don't know if it would be helpful to expand on that just a little. It could be. Yeah. So, well, you know, that's, I think it's different for different people. And so for that particular person, um, he was able to do that. Mm. I, I would say that there are some people who start to do the work and they start to try to process it and they're not quite ready for it. So you kind of have to back off a little bit and take it a little bit slower. Okay. It's in keeping with what you and I were talking about before. There's no one right way or wrong way for everybody. But for some people, yeah, you can go through and, and, and work on several things at one time it, during one session. Um, it, it's um, it's definitely, it, it also, you know, it depends on the dyad of the patient and the therapist together and how, right. how that works. Um, but I think that, uh, I think that lots of people, to your point, are amazed by just the way therapy works because the only, you know, the only frame of reference they have for therapy is something that maybe they've seen in a movie before. 
that's been dramatized. Yeah. Or they haven't thought about it at all because no one talked about it. Yeah, exactly. It's not as scary as as people think it's going to be. It's not as dramatic as it's going to be. There are no couches involved, generally speaking. (laughs) Um, But I I love the fact that, that after 20 years, this person was able to go back and deal with a number of things and get on that journey of healing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it happens every day. We just don't always hear those stories. So um, Mm -hmm. you and I think are very lucky to be in positions where we get to actually hear the stories of the healing. Well, I also think that's why it's great that you're doing something like this. You know, I think that um, just getting the conversation out there is something that, you know, when I was a kid growing up, when I was an adolescent and a young adult, it wasn't really something spoken about. To tell you the fact when I decided to go into psychiatry, I was initially afraid to tell my dad, who was a cardiologist, that I was going into psychiatry because I was afraid of what his reaction was going to be. Right. Um, to the point that it was actually my wife that told him what my specialty was going to be before I did. Um, and I was surprised he was more enlightened than I thought he was. And, he's, and he said to me, good for you. You're going into it just at the right time. That's great. And, and I think that we do need to talk about things like this. You know, September, a lot of people don't know, is Suicide Awareness Month. That's one of the worst results of unaddressed trauma. That is the worst result, right? Mm. So, you know, if you think about that, it's a potentially fatal disease. It's something that we have lots of tools to deal with. We just have to get get people there to, to take advantage of that which we have to offer. Yes, 100%. I wanted to close just by getting you to maybe talk a little bit about some of your favorite resilience building tools. What are the tools in your tool belt that you maybe use or go to personally or think are most effective? There's a lot of them. You know, there, so when we would do these trainings, there were lots of different tools that we would give people. But one of the things that I used to think about was the easiest. You know, if you're going to walk out of those, because it a day's worth of training. Right. And we give people tools. Um, but one of the things that we used to talk about with this quick thing called ABC. Right. Um, and it was like sort of the activating event, the behavior, and then the consequences of that behavior. Say, I can hear Buddy right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. And there would be times when I would be with, you know, Buddy and Joe and all those guys, and you had something special would happen, and they'd be like ABC, 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 because you would think about like what's the activating event, like you know. So, for example, you could be driving down the street, and someone cuts you off. That you know that we we tell people that now that's the activating event. Someone cuts you off, and then you automatically make an assumption they cut you off because they're a jerk. So your behavior is you start chasing them, beeping your horn, and you yell at them. And the consequence, you're getting all stressed and and you yourself might end up getting pulled over for it because of something that they did. Take take a second, take a breath, think about what might happen. Maybe that person's on the way to the hospital to deliver a baby. Mm -hmm. Did that occur to anybody? No. All right. Well, now that we start thinking about, so you start thinking about the world can be seen in two very different ways. And you can train yourself to think about that. You can train yourself to either, okay, maybe I go negative immediately. Maybe I can start thinking about the positive. So when I take a look at this activating event, what's activating about it? All right, let me think that through before I engage in this behavior, mm-hmm. chasing them, yelling at them, beeping at them. That's just going to raise my stress more. And the consequences of that, which can be both legal and uh disultery to your own health, 
right? You're just getting your stress up. You're doing all these sorts of things that are going to be hurtful to you. That's one of the greatest tools. And you could think of a million different scenarios. I, you know, I just used one. We used to go around the room and ask people, you know, what would be an activating event for you? What would be your behavior? What were the consequences? All sorts of exercises like that mm-hmm. can build resilience just the way going to the gym helps you build your muscle. I love, I love that tool. I think about that all the time. And in your example, spoken like a true New Yorker. No, (laughs) (laughs) I think people have a, yeah, I hear, I mean, I don't know. I haven't driven there, but (laughs) (laughs) you're probably probably better off to tell you the (laughs) truth. Uh, But you know, that's just one example. And there are so many other things. And, and like we were saying, you know, you don't have to go to a class to to learn resilience, you can, you know, there are, are there are things that you can do. It would be great if you go to a class, but there are things that you can do on your own. Like we do talk about, you know, there were different pillars of this, and part of it was your physical health, and part of it was your emotional health. And I think attending, if you were to wrap the whole thing back up and come back to what you and I were talking about before, think about yourself holistically. And when I say holistically, I don't mean, you know, with sound bowls and burning incense. I mean, holistically, like the whole person. And remember that your, 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 your mind and your body are one and the same. It's part of all of who we are. And we need to, uh, we, we need to be kind to ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Well, yeah. I have taken up a full hour of your time now. So I'm going to go ahead and um, let you get back to your day. I know you're very, very busy, but I'm so grateful for the time with you and for all your knowledge and expertise over the years. Um, you're you're one of those people that you pick up the phone when people call for help. And um, I've, I've needed you a few times over the years, and I really appreciate all you do and just the support that you give to the people um, that are in your life. So thank you for that. And do you have any, clo- I guess, do you have any closing thoughts or anything else that you'd like to, to share with folks on the topic or? Well, you know, first of all, first of all, so it's such a pleasure to talk to you always. So thanks. Thanks for inviting me again. I really, I really enjoyed this. Um, I would say to people, you know, be aware of your own needs um, and also be aware of the needs of others. You know, the people that are around you, um, your family, your friends, you might pick up on things that are troubling them before they do. And, and it's okay to say, hey, how's everything going? Something very non-threatening, you know? Mm-hmm. Everything good? Hey, if there's any, anything you need to talk about, let me know. That can be the invitation that someone needs to get the help that they need. It can be something as simple as that, you know? It can be like, hey, that's a nice sweater. You know, just give yeah. me a compliment instead of uh, something else. Starting a conversation with someone, there's a lot of opportunity to help a lot of people if you just don't. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for that. And again, thank you for your time. And I will look forward to future conversations with you. Great speaking to you. Thank you so much for tuning in for the podcast. I hope this information will be useful for you, your family, and your agency or your higher education institution. You never know when you might need a touch point that can help someone that needs support. As always, please reach out if you have ideas or suggestions for folks I should interview and have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care.